0: Hey, welcome to The Rally Point. I'm Pastor Wes Pennington, and uh, we're just so thankful that you're here today with us at The Rally Point. And I'm excited today because, you know, I, I got a good friend, a brother of mine that's going to come on, Dan Wittett, who's a, a, a soldier. He's a soldier. He was a soldier in, the, in the, uh, the Army or the Marines. He can tell you when he comes on. And he's also a soldier for God. Um, and we're going to have a conversation today about fatherhood and, you know, all the things that that entails for the man of God. So I hope you enjoy it. But let's bring Dan in and uh, let's welcome Dan to the Rally Point. Hey, Dan, what's up, man? Welcome to the Rally Point.
1: How you doing, Pastor Wes? Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, man, hey, man. Hey, you know, I screwed that up, man. So were you a Marine or you an Army?
1: I was
0: in the Marine Corps. And
1: then I won't hate on my <laughs> Army, brother, because I love you. And I will talk thing. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, he's a Marine. I just insulted
0: him. That's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so welcome, man. Welcome to the Rally Point. You know, glad to have you in, man, because, you know, um, we just try to have conversations every week. Uh, different conversations about just, you know, manhood and, you know, what all the different things that, you know, we as men, we as men of God have to go through. And, you know, tonight I want to kind of, you know, talk to you about fatherhood. You know, I know you're a father. You got two sons, you know, and um, you 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 know, the struggle of trying to raise them up and you know, a world that's kind of gone crazy in a sense. You know, with social media and you know uh, schools and everything that goes on in the world. You know, what what's your what's what what's your thoughts on you know how do you how do you how do we raise young men
1: in a world that's going on today? So, uh, like we're talking about it my so I've got four sons. My I've, I'm in a blended family and. I stepped into a situation where my wife had two older sons. So I've got a 22 year old son who's actually, I'm going to be a grandfather in May. So awesome. I am take on that ever as well, but uh, I've got a 22 year old, an 18 year old, a 14 year old, an 11 year old, wow. all boys. And then I've got an about to be 10 year old daughter. So wow. I've got it from all shapes and sizes. And honestly, Taking on the role with teenage sons, just jumping into it was tough and having to kind of just jump right into the frying pan and into the heat, I was, to be honest, not ready for it. And I have I was just talking to my 22-year-old the other day, trying to give him the best advice I could on fatherhood. And I realized in that moment that I really didn't know a whole lot and <laughs> that no one size fits all. And... I told him, and it was one of the more honest conversations that I've been able to have with them. Is that I made a lot of mistakes with him and his brother because they were older, and that's a very unique dynamic when you're coming and you're not you're not their biological father. Their biological father is very much involved in their lives, yeah. and trying to find my place, not you know not overstep, but be be there, not be too lenient, but you know be parental. Right. And you know, I'll be completely honest. My wife and I have struggled with it for for a while. We still haven't quite ironed it out. It's just a, it's an evolving thing. And uh, the little ones, I think now, are more challenging than the older two because of the generational things that are going on right now. And the questions, like I was joking with you about before that, that I get asked on the rides home from school. Sometimes I'm. I'm I, I tell him I, I got to get back to you on that. You know, <laughs> I got think about that. I pray about that. I, I got to figure out how I'm going to respond because Pastor Frank actually he hit me hard the other day when he was talking about what would happen if you had a transgender situation at home, or you know your son or daughter decided to have a sexual orientation that was against what we believe, and all those things and. You know, we all, you know, some of us take a more hardline stance than others. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that debate right now because that's that's for another time and place. But what he really said that struck me was Jesus may not be there as a as a religious figure, but he'd be there because he loves you. Amen. Amen. And, you know, that really that really hit me to the core because, you know, certain things that, you know, we believe in certain things. We don't believe in certain things, you know, are biblical, certain things aren't biblical. And, you know, we can all go read the Bible. We could talk about that. But dealing with this day and age and, and what I feel is kind of I don't want to call it an indoctrination, but a forced education, mm. I'll, I'll say. And dealing with that is tough because we're up against it. If, if you go and, and you complain and you say, hey. Why don't I have a say in what my child gets taught at school? Why don't I have a say in this curriculum? Why don't I get to participate? Why don't you send out surveys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, well, if you have a problem with this, you know, or, or, you know, and then you get labeled things. Right, right. And, you know, I there's, there's, it's tough because when my sons go, dad, why didn't my teacher get mad at me? Because I asked a question about boys and girls. Why I have to label somebody something and... I believe there's boys and girls, Dad, and that's that's what I think my teacher got mad at me for. And those are very, very tough things for me to answer because I don't want to ever have my children believe that you should hate anybody because right. of something. Right, right. But, and, and you don't, you don't know was into that. And right. you know, there's, You know, if we're if we're if we're being real about it, a lot of times there's a lot of trauma that goes into those situations, and there's a lot of things that are way below the surface that we don't quite understand. And I don't want to teach my children to judge. I don't want to teach them to label people. I don't want to teach them to not love people. And I get a lot of pushback on those things, and it's tough for me as a parent, and tough for me as a man because I, I feel like we're kind of up against it. If yeah, you know if we're too masculine, then it's toxic. If we're not masculine enough, then we're in another box. Right, right,
0: right.
1: If we discipline our children, then, you know, DCYF wants to come take them. But if we don't discipline our children, then we're neglectful. Right. And, you know, I could go on and on about the struggles that have
0: happened. I think think you kind of hit hit something on the head when you said that, you know, um, it's about loving them you know um and and loving them no matter what you know and in your case you know being in a blended family where you have two sons that came from you know your wife's marriage a separate marriage than what you're in and then two sons that came from a situation that you were in right um and then you're trying to you know not be their dad because they have a relationship with their biological dad but you you're an adult in the house. You're a man in the house. So, you know, there's a responsibility. There's still a role that you have to play there, you know. And I, I think when when young men first see a man that's actually walking the walk, you know what I mean? He's, he's walking the walk, you know. He does what he's, he says and he says what he's going to do and he does it. He follows through. And, you know, and then just kind of, you know, pouring out love on them, you know what I mean? No matter what happens no matter what they do now I think the problem is is that a lot of times we we see love or we think about love and it's always um, it's always uh, gentle and gushy and sweet and nice right but sometimes love is actually you know telling somebody that they're wrong when they're wrong you know sometimes love is actually being honest with someone. When they need to hear the honest truth about something, you know that's that's loving them. You know what I mean? And we 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 miss we we misuse that word at times. I think, especially when it comes to fatherhood, and we label dads like you said. You know, if I'm being honest with you, you know, um, and I'm just telling you the truth, that I'm being tough. I'm being too rough. I'm being overbearing. You know, um, when the truth is, is that you know I'm, I'm just trying to protect you. You know, I'm trying to you know to help you because I love you. You know and and that's that's a struggle for us you know but I mean the good thing that we have you know um, is that we do have you know Jesus Christ and we do have him as an example and that was a good example that Pastor Frank um, stated you know that you know Jesus would love him through it because I think through the love um, is through the love the faith will come you know because that's who God is you know and for us it's it's tough too right because i don't i don't know i don't know your your full story i know a lot of your story but i i don't know like the fullness of your story as in reference to your relationship with your dad right so if you didn't have a great relationship with your dad then you had kind of a bad example of what father is so now you're a father and you're trying to kind of figure this thing out and trying to work through this thing and trying to you know but without really having a good example on what that looks like you know and thank god we have god the father who we can look at you know and and say okay here's what a good father looks like and obviously we can't measure up to that because he's god you know um but we can we can try and we can struggle and i i know that you've had some struggles in those
1: areas so yeah and you know just i'll I'll clear the air and you know i have no problem discussing this because it's something that i think is important to to my father was a very bad alcoholic and uh, struggled tremendously with alcohol abuse, and to the point. And the one thing that I can say is he never lied to me. I can never remember a situation where my father lied to me. He was always very honest, and that. And when I talk to people about, you know, they're like, "Well, you know what, you know, not to do." Well. I had a whole toolbox from both of my parents of what not to do. But the problem with knowing what not to do is you never learn what to do. Exactly. So yes, I had a whole lot. You don't don't get drunk and throw your kids down concrete steps. Check that box. You know, don't don't leave your kids for extended periods of time and go on vacations and not let your kids know where you are. Check that box. Great. All right. But in situations that are tough for, for you know when your kids get to those critical ages you know that those very early on ages where they need the nurturing then they get to the other stages where they want to be independent but don't really know a lot you know that teaching but like you said being tough and honest but also that love Mm. and then as they to young men and young women treating them like adults but also understanding that they don't know how to be adults yet and a lot of this process for me has been understanding that What I expect my kids to know from my experience is wrong because my existence was based on experience that a lot of, you know, normal, there's no such thing as normal, but, you know, for that typical family unit, I didn't experience those things and I had a whole lot of life experience that normal kids don't, don't know. Right. And, you know, so... When I assume that my children know things because I knew that, it it was completely wrong. And so now I've gotten a little wiser and a little older and a little bit more patient. Now I go back and I say, okay, hey, this isn't the right way to do this. And this is how you do it. And now it's more of a teaching and explaining and a learning and an interaction and a conversation versus why did you know that? You know what's wrong with you why why are you doing it like that right and they're looking at me like you know like they like don't know because they don't know right, and, right. It was, and it was tough for me to wrap my head around that because it's like how did you know this oh because they didn't grow up in a traumatic childhood <laughs> <laughs> and you know it. i look at it from the wrong standpoint which is you should know this too the only reason you know that is because you had to raise yourself right and when i started looking at it like that i noticed that my patience level Grew tremendously, and again, I'm not going to get on here and preach like I've got it all figured out, or I'm—I've not made mistakes. I made a ton of mistakes as a father, and you know, I'm not. And you know, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, "Hey, it was me. I messed up. I did that (laughs) wrong. I did a lot of wrong. I still do."
0: Yeah, we we all have, you know, and and I mean, also, what we got to look at too, and you know, it's not an excuse or anything. But generationally, you know what I mean? So, you know, our fathers looked at fatherhood differently than, than how we look at fatherhood. You know, um, and when I was a kid, you know, if, if dad put clothes on your back, you had a roof over your head, food in your belly, that was a good father. Right. Um, but the nurturing, the time spent together, the fostering of, of relationship with each other, that wasn't important. At least it didn't seem as though it was important, you know. But then I see, you know, other kids that were my age whose fathers were in their lives that were kind of really kind of vital in in their upbringing, their growth. And you can see the difference in them later in life, you know, a lot more stable, a lot less issues. um, And, you know, um, just being able to deal with life a lot better, you know. Um, So we have kind of a unique advantage where. You know, we can look at fatherhood from from different points of view. And I I like what you said that, you know, and and I believe it was a revelation for you to kind of come to a place where you're like, you know what? I'm looking at this thing wrong. You know, I'm looking at it from a perspective of being mistreated. And because I knew that they should know that. You know, but they're they're not mistreated. They actually have a good father who's there lo- loving them and looking to pour into them. So they're totally clueless to it, <laughs> you know what I mean? And which is a good thing, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, that was a
1: revelation for you, man. It, it was, and you know, we, we'll never really quite figure this thing out because life's gonna throw curveballs at us. And you know, I, I don't know where my kids are gonna be in five years. And you know, I know they're gonna be a little bit older and their problems are gonna be different and you know it's 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 a challenge and for me it's it's trying to grow myself and understand what's going on around you know in the world because they're dealing with different worldly things than we had to deal with and although you know when we were children those problems were the biggest problems in the world looking back you know it's an ant on, on mount everest but you know at the time those are the problems there are and now I, I, I look at it and i try to keep myself aware and educated as to what's going on in their world right because right. i you know when you lose touch with that kind of stuff then it's you know you, you give the cliche you know don't listen to them ignore them you know sometimes sometimes you can't right and right. you know in this world of social media and and all that you, you can't get away from it with the TikTok and yeah, yeah. the Facebook and the Instagram and you know the Snapchat. And everywhere they turn, there's something that could affect them, and that could, you know, possibly you know, cause them great embarrassment or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's not like you know Billy and Joey calling each other when we were kids on right. three-way. Right. Now it's tweets and this and that, and within five minutes you know a thousand people are looking at something and you know it could be devastating quickly so
0: oh yeah within, within to a, stay. yeah within a couple of minutes your whole school could know about a situation you know what i mean it's crazy how fast it gets around and you're absolutely right i mean you know the the amount of pressure that are on you know these younger generation now it's, it's just amazing you know we could hide when we were in high school because you know, it took a little while for stuff to get around, you know, <laughs> people had to actually be in school talking to each other. And maybe by the end of the day, yeah, maybe by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. By the by the day... yeah.
1: Off, and they found on the
0: payphone, you could get ahead of it a little bit. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. But now within a couple of minutes, you know, everyone could know about it. You know, so these these kids are definitely having to deal with some stuff that we didn't have to deal with, which is going to mean that we're going to have to be a little bit more sensitive to their environment and more sensitive to, you know, their their issues, you know, um, as and fathers.
1: As, as, as fathers as well, I, th- I think it's our job to educate them on the consequences of that stuff as well. I have a lot of conversations with my boys and definitely my daughter about how quickly that can affect them in a negative way, just as, you know, you, and also the don't live for likes thing, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many people like something on social media. It's it's are you being true to you? Are, are you doing the right things? Are right. you making the right judgments? Are you are you being respectful? You know, right. and all those things that I try and use examples of, you know, when they show me videos and stuff. And I I try not to condemn them for showing me things because I, I understand they're kids and sometimes they don't understand fully what's going on or, you know, they they find humor in things that maybe they shouldn't. But I just like I like that they come to me and they show me these things and I can use them as teachable moments instead of yeah. scaring them away.
0: Yeah. Cause you want to, yeah. Cause you want to keep that openness. You want them to be able to come to you with that stuff. And if you, if you start like kind of hitting them hard with it, every time they come, they're not going to come to you, you know? So yeah. So there's a, there's a, a there's a amount of freedom that you want to allow them to have to come to you with things. And that's huge. I mean, that, that's, that's extremely huge. And you have no idea how big that is. You know, I'm actually um, in the process, you know, of writing my uh, my second book, and it's going to be about fatherhood. And you know, just you know, think about some of the some of the statistics, you know, surrounding fatherless homes. You know, um, like 90% of girls that are in prison um, come from fatherless homes. Almost 100% of runaway females come from fatherless homes. I think it's 75 to 80% of all men in prison come from fatherless homes. You know, I can go on and on and on and on, you know, the impact of fatherlessness that that fatherlessness has on um, our society and on the
1: world, you know, and, you know, it's so important. Statistically speaking, while you're saying and not to detract from others, but the impact of a fatherless home in most cases is more severe than a motherless home, not to take anything away from others. But studies have actually demonstrated that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we minimize. When we minimize the impact that we have as fathers, we're taking away something that's very critical and very vital in our society. And I, I believe that we really need to be cognizant of the impact that we have and don't allow the world to strip that from us because yeah, when you take the father out of the home, it is devastating. It's absolutely devastating. devastating.
0: Dude, I believe that it was it, I believe that was Satan's ultimate plan was to separate the fathers from the home, you know, because when he does that, it destroys the family unit. And once the family unit is destroyed, we have no concept on what that looks like and what that means. And and at the end of this thing, we're going to be one big family in, in heaven, you know, with God the Father as our father. So Satan wants to destroy that picture in our minds and our hearts, you know. And
1: uh, that's... You're th- I was in the Marine Corps, we train in war. What do we do? We take out their leaders. And what do you do when you take out the leader? You disorganize those troops. And if we're going back in history, when you cut the head off the snake, a lot of times they lay their arms down.
0: Yep.
1: And they don't want to fight anymore. Right. And when you take that father and that head of that house out of there, you create chaos. Now you create an environment where that leader, that stability, that strength, that pillar has gone. And now what do you have? You have the people that were never supposed to support that foundation trying to hold it up.
0: Exactly. While exactly. also playing
1: their role in that relationship. And it just, it does not function that
0: way. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And hey, and just to prove that point, you know, statistically, um, when the mother is saved in the house and no one else is, I believe it's like somewhere else, 70% of the time the house gets saved. When the children are saved in the house and no one else, and the mother and father aren't. like 75 percent of the time the other family is saved when the father is saved in the house 90 percent of the time the whole house gets saved so i mean it's a huge huge impact uh that the father has on the on the household and on the family and you're right he's not taking anything away from from the the women and the women believe me i give the women the credit because thank god for our mothers because it had not been for our mothers you know um there would be no generation because, you know, fathers have just kind of left, left a lot of the kids alone and left them for the, for the defend on their own. And their mothers have stepped in and taken up the role, which like you said, now you have, you know, someone holding up a foundation that never should be holding up a foundation, you know? Um, And that's, that's a powerful realization, you know? And, you know, so I, I believe that we're in a time in history where God is calling the fathers back. And, and here's the thing. Uh, I truly believe, you know, because I look at my relationship with my daughters, you know, I have Ashley, who's you know about to turn thirty, and I have Eliana, who's two. you know so and and with Ashley, there was a point of strain of strain, you know in our relationship, you know, and a lot of guys, ah uh, you know, I, I just blew it, you know, I'm never gonna be able to rebuild that relationship with my my son and my daughter again, but that's not true. with God, all things are possible, and he's good at repairing
1: broken things. I- you know. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. It, it's Good. it's on us as fathers to reestablish those relationships and be able to have those hard conversations. I've had conversations with my again. I I I will fully admit right on the show that with my two stepsons, I did not know I was not prepared to step into that role, and I did a lot of things wrong, and I caused a lot of issues with them, and I had to take a step back and say, I'm sorry. I know that I didn't handle those situations the way that I could have, should have, and I would now as a man, as a role model, as a father figure, and as the person that you were looking to, whether you realized it or not. Amen. Amen. And having those difficult conversations, you can absolutely change somebody's life. And they might look at you and, and tell you they don't want to talk to you, or they don't like you, or they hate you, or whatever the case may be, but that conversation will Start something within them that may not manifest for a while, but it absolutely will lay the the foundation for something. In the future. I, I'd be willing to bet my next paycheck. I've,
0: I've, I'm I'm one hundred one thousand percent in agreement with you. You know, and and you're right. We as fathers have to own up. You know what I mean? To our mistakes, and own up to our mistakes with our children. You know, I had to do that with my daughter Ashley. I had to sit down and go, you know what? Ashley, I was wrong. I was, I was in the wrong place, wrong state of mind. I was wrong. You know, um, but I'm here right now, and I want to make this better. And, and I'm willing to do whatever that takes because I love you. You know, and um, and that usually and turns. That, the ship
1: that also shows how to have that difficult conversation for themselves as well. Exactly. Because you know, what does it show them when we when we turn and we run out? That shows them that running away from problems solves them. Amen. But when you stand in there in the storm and you meet it head on and you look them in the eye and you have that difficult conversation and the tears fall and they will. And now they understand what that moment feels like. Amen. And they understand what that moment looks like. And now they'll be able to look somebody in the eye and say, I didn't make the best decision there. And I have to own that because that's my responsibility to you. Amen. And I love you i'm here and so i'm willing true. to look you in the have this conversation because of what's in my heart and how much i love you that's awesome that's awesome hey man look we we're out of
0: time man but it was an awesome conversation i gotta have you back on bro and continue this conversation because there's a whole lot more that we can dig into uh, but i appreciate you coming out to the rally point man i know that those listening i hope that they receive a lot because there's a lot of good stuff that was said here tonight man thanks for coming on the rally point bro
1: Thanks for having me, Pastor West. It's a pleasure. Anytime, you know, I'm here for you, brother. Hey, man, any last words? Last thoughts? Again, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. Woo! You
0: heard it. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. My man, Dan Wood. Dan, we'll see ya. And hey, that was Dan with it. And, you know, he was on the rally point. And we're just so thankful for you guys coming in. Continue to come in. Continue to watch as you get fed, as you get resupplied, so that you can go back out into the battle and be successful. Again, I'm Pastor West, and you have been to the rally point. God bless you, and we'll see you again real soon.